Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. All new pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Very, very busy day in college sports, but obviously in college football. We've got Big Ten Media Days wrapping up in Indianapolis, day one of that today. Commissioner Kevin Warren spoke, and James Franklin also spoke earlier today. Mark Wogenrich from Sports Illustrated. We haven't had him on in a while. He'll join us at 3.35 today to break all that down. And then also, too, we've got Penn State men's volleyball coach Mark Pavlik. He'll probably, I think he's scheduled to join us at 4.06 today. And he's got three former athletes that will be on Team USA. So it'll be exciting to hear from him as the Olympics get going this Friday out in Tokyo. But I want to get back to what we've been seeing around college football the last 24, 36 hours. And I want to start with this, with Big Ten Media Days, with Kevin Warren speaking today. That was, and I guess it's really not totally unexpected, I'm sure, but to me that was 40 minutes of fluff. Other than him mentioning what they're going to do about addressing COVID this year, in which all the Big Ten schools are kind of forming their own plan and then they're going to put something together for the conference, for something conference-wide. I didn't learn one iota from that press conference today. And he was asked several things, mostly about the COVID protocols for this year. Then he was asked about the SEC saga right now with Texas and OU inquiring about joining the conference and how that can change the their ramifications across college football. I didn't expect him to fully answer that question. But as far as the the COVID stuff and and the one question that did not get asked today, which I know Steve wanted to see asked, was about starting the next TV contract with Big with BTN. We didn't hear that at all today. I don't know. Other than really th- than that that COVID question, and it was just kind of general anyway. I I just thought it was a whole bunch of fluff. You know, he he addressed how things went last year, and he still called it 
a productive year. It was a challenging year, but a, a productive year, I think, was the exact quote. Or it wasn't perfect. It was not a perfect season, but it was still productive. What's with this guy? You're calling what happened last year productive when you call off the season, then you pull and you pull back on that, and you plan to start a, late in October after all the players basically commissioned to and petitioned to keep the season alive. I mean, last year the, to to get last year underway, and of course in that time, unprecedented times, I guess still is to some degree nowadays. <laughs> I just I just don't understand that. I really don't. That's not productive at all. So, like I said, I wasn't that impressed with Kevin Warren today. But maybe Steve felt differently. And as far as James Franklin goes, a little bit quick than I thought it was. I think they only had 15 minutes anyway, so I guess maybe that's just how it was. But I really didn't get anything new out of that either, other than maybe his quick thoughts on NIL and how that'll affect Penn State and things like that. He said, you know, that we're working on what's best for the football team and we'll navigate it as is, which is the kind of ex answer I would expect from James Franklin. He was asked about reuniting with his family those sorts of things. So we'll recap that with Mark Roganwich at uh, 335 today from SI.com. Now we go to what's going on in the SEC, or potentially in the SEC, with adding Big 12 powerhouses, Oklahoma, and Texas. And Dennis Dodd, our friend from CBS Sports just tweeted this out a little while ago, and he mentioned both the or all all ten of the schools are going to be ads and CEOs are going to be meeting today at five o'clock to kind of debrief the situation since they were kind of blindsided by that yesterday. So we'll definitely need to keep an eye on that. And Heather Dinich was on Get Up this morning on ESPN, and she basically is essentially said what I thought of yesterday, and that is this could be the beginning of the end of the Big 12. But we'll see how things go there. We want you to get into the conversation as well. 1-800-795-9565. 1-800-795-9565. It is the Steve Jones Show brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. On June 6 of 2021, during our semi-annual meeting with our chancellors and presidents, it was voted for us to be able to create a decentralized process and procedure this year of handling COVID-19. So we have allowed our institutions to handle those issues. One of the things that we're working on right now, Bill, is the fact that our, our schools are, are finalizing their proposed policies and procedures for the fall. Uh, we'll, we'll get that information in early August, we'll combine it, and then we'll get together with our chancellors and presidents and other key constituents to make the determination as far as how we handle the fall.
He wasn't asked about the TV contract. You have to be kidding me. Nobody asked that question? You know, a year from now, they need to have that in place, you know. A year. Just so you know. The time is like, oh, the contract runs out in 2023. No, you need to have it a year from now. You need to have it a year before it runs out. I mean, you notice the CBS deal ran out. or CBS deal runs out in 23, you know. Uh, CB, they have a new deal. The SEC does with ESPN through 34. Oh, okay. For a lot more money. Uh, and that's a question needed to be asked. When it, when it came time to talk about what's happening with Oklahoma and Texas, he looked at it like somebody was caught completely off guard by the fact that it was happening. That's not good either. Now, I don't want the Big Ten expanding for expansion's sake. We're going to get into a lot more of this. Um, as time goes in the show, we'll talk with Mark Pavlik at 335. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, or excuse me, Mark Wogenrich at 335. We're going to talk about this in Pavlik at 406. So, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit to Mark about the SEC thing. But the bottom line is, don't be misled when people talk to you about expansion issues and say, oh, hey, just go get North Carolina and Virginia Tech or Virginia. No, it doesn't work that way. Get Notre Dame. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can't do the, the, the what I call the LCD talk show, the lowest common denominator talk show. You got to understand how things work. So let's go through some of the basic rules. And that's what we try to do. We try to tell people how things work. That way you're a more informed listener. And every once in a while people call me and they give me information too, which is great. Uh, so here we go. Number one, it takes 11 votes in the SEC to expand. So you have to have no more than three no's in the SEC. So it takes 11 to expand. So that that's one basic right there, so everybody understands that. To be honest with you, with Texas and Oklahoma, do I think they could get 11? Yes. I know Texas A&M is lobbying hard, but could they get 11? I think they have an excellent shot at it. Whenever you do expand, remember this. There's X amount of money, so we'll talk about that as, okay, let's just do this as a pizza. Call it a pizza pie. So the pizza pie is sitting there. So in the Big Ten... You know, let's. I mean, I know the conference office gets a cut, but let's make this simple. We'll just use the 14 schools, right? You cut up the pie as it exists right now. There's 14 slices. If you add two to it, what happens? Each slice is smaller. So when you add somebody to your organization, they have to be two schools that then allow you to make the pie bigger. Thus, the slices are bigger. All right. Texas and Oklahoma are two brands that do that. People can talk about the basketball component all they want. You know, everyone knows how much I love and cherish and enjoy basketball. But none of these decisions are basketball related. These decisions are all based on three factors. Brand name, market size, football. That's what they're based on. Brand name, 
market size football. It doesn't have to be in that order, but those are the three considerations. Oklahoma and Texas would increase the size of the pie and the power of the brand of the SEC by getting in there. No question. Now, when it comes to what does the Big Ten do, I want to point out there is something called grant of rights. If you are a talk show host or a newspaper person and doesn't understand the concept of grant of rights, you either should not be talking about this topic or you shouldn't be writing about it. So now let's get into that. Every conference has except for the SEC, grant of rights. The SEC is such a powerful brand and it has such loyalty to it, they don't have a grant of rights. Everybody else does. The grant of rights always goes through the end of your TV deal. So for anybody that says, get North Carolina, get Virginia, get Notre Dame, their grant of rights runs out in 2036. Oh, See, what the ACC decided to do is when Maryland moved to the Big Ten and paid a $50 million exit fee, the ACC replaced the exit fee with the grant of rights stipulation where your television rights go back to the conference until the contract is up. So say that had been in effect, Maryland could could not afford to move. With an exit fee, they could. They paid the $50 million. I don't know if they're still paying it off or not, but they paid the $50 million and they're out. Okay. So the ACC's through 2036. The SEC doesn't have a grant of rights, but their TV contract expires now in 2034. Their CBS deal is up in 2023, but they already have the ESPN deal in place that runs through 2034, so they've replaced it. Now let's get to the other three conferences. The Big Ten is first. Their contract runs out in 23. To be honest with you, they either should be negotiating now or should be negotiating in January of 2022 because you really want to have a new deal in place give or take, about a year from now. It also means the grant of rights runs out in the Big Ten in 2023 as well. So if Penn State wanted to, you know, Penn State doesn't want to go anywhere else, nor should they. It doesn't make any, any sense. I hear, go to the ACC and lose $17 million a year? Is that what you want to do? Really? Wow, that's... Oh, bold, dumb, but yeah, bold and dumb. You do that. And see, the problem with the ACC deal through 2036 is that, yeah, the media rights goes up, goes up every year, but you don't, there's no place to hit a home run for the next 15 years. There's no place to do it. No place to really, really increase revenue. It's where the college football playoff comes in. Now, the next two are interesting. The Pac-12 deal runs out in 2024. Which means the grant of rights runs out in 2024. And the Big 12 runs out in 2025, and their grant of rights runs out in 2025. 
All right? That's why Oklahoma and Texas are doing what they're doing. They see the horizon. They think they should move over. They'd like to explore it. And they'll have the freedom to do it. So now when you look at the Big Ten, I don't want the Big Ten expanding for expansion's sake. If 14 is the way to go with these 14, then do it. Don't just do it. Don't just sit there and like, Iowa State, what does Iowa State bring you? The Des Moines market? You already got Iowa in the league. So, no. Uh, Pitt. What does Pitt bring you? The Pittsburgh market? Oh, that's right. Penn State brings that. I don't need that one either. West Virginia. I can see it now. Great news. We got the Charleston market. (laughs) No. Now, we talk about the... The football-related part of it. I've heard some people bring up Kansas. Okay, fair. Kansas obviously has great basketball, but I'm not enamored with having the letters FBI attached to it as well because Kansas has some problems right now. And Kansas football, Lance Leipold's a heck of a coach, but, man, he is playing from behind. Let me throw one out there that could be interesting. That is Colorado. Colorado brings with it, first of all, they are bordered by Nebraska. Number two, they bring with it the Denver market, which is a top 12 market. And they're free to do whatever they want after 2024. Now, who would be the second one? But I I throw that one out as a possibility. You've got to go where the possibilities were. They increase your value as a conference. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, it was great to, by the way, see Tom Mertz today. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. As Tom said to me, who has Hyundai? I said, Sunbury Motors does. I said, I know my lines. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Great to be joined by Mark Wogenrich. Mark, welcome back. How have you been? Been doing really well, Steve. How are you? It's great to be back with you in late July, which means uh, football camp in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Um, man, I'm really looking forward to it. Jack got a hold of me a couple days ago. Said, Steve, get that practice schedule. I'm going to be up there a lot. They <laughs> said, yep. Uh, did you get a chance to watch Kevin Warren's press conference today? And if so, what were your thoughts? My thoughts is that he is very good at managing questions without necessarily answering them. That was one of the things. Um, I always enjoy when somebody responds to a question by saying, that's a great question, because you know they're probably going to answer it too much. It sounds like he's coming out of that year, um, a very difficult year for him, having to cancel a football season 
uh, a month after he became commissioner of the, of the Big Ten last year. And I think he's he seems like he's moving maybe a little more purposefully with a bit more stride. I'm curious as to see how the uh, today they uh, named Barry Alvarez a special advisor for football to the Big Ten, and that's a curious thing to me to see how how much they might lean on Barry Alvarez. He has a lot of influence in the conference, and how yes. could that affect issues such as um, the Big Ten's you know participation, not participation, you know, but its position on the playoffs, uh, its relationship with the Rose Bowl, its. Uh, position on expansion. Expansion now, just in the last 48 hours, is another topic with Oklahoma and Texas reportedly uh, having conversations with the SEC. So I, he struck me as as more kind of, uh, today I think maybe a bit more, um, not in control, but a bit more comfortable in taking on this particular football season because, one, it is a football season that he can um, – enter more comfortably than obviously last year. Another thing that he mentioned I thought was important is how they're going to kind of district out the COVID protocols to the schools, that there's not going to be, you know, a um, a, a top-down Big Ten protocol as there was last year and as there pretty much had to be. I'm getting the sense out of the Big Ten that most of the programs are um, seem to be doing uh, really compliant with uh, vaccination rates. I think James Franklin said today that they were above 70 other programs reporting high vaccination rates as well. And are they going to use that? It, it came up. It came up in some other conversations as a competitive advantage. It, it might be for some teams this summer. So I think that will probably more of my takeaways from Commissioner Warren's uh, talk. Yeah, um, although... He needed to talk a little bit about the timetable, and you have to be asked mm-hmm. about it, about the TV deal. To me, that is the right. whole ball yeah. game with him. That's the whole ball game with him. Because one year from now, Mark, they need to either be to the doorstep of one or have one because it runs out in 23, and you really need to have one a year ahead of time, and that's next summer. So what's the? I, I, would, I would want to have known what is – what is the negotiating timeline? Not what your strategy is or who is it with, but what's your yeah. negotiating timeline? Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't really considered that. And I would even go beyond a television deal. That they, I would assume that this is going to be a broader media rights deal as well. And how are they yes. going to bring streaming services involved in that? How are they, um, how are they going to uh, bring along, again, the, the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten Network? Is that I mean, if it's going to be Big Ten and Fox again, which that that allows as the primaries um, be with ESPN in there, but if it was would Big Ten will they give Big Ten Network a larger piece of that pie, um, bigger games, that sort of thing, uh, you know? So yeah, that that that's definitely a question that I hadn't considered, but you're absolutely right about that. For me, and it's all it it goes back to like what's next too is the streaming deal. Um, I don't subscribe yes. to a lot of stuff, so if they're going to say, right. you I, know, I don't either. Penn State, Illinois is going to be on ESPN Plus. I'm going to go, oh boy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know what, and that's that's interesting, Mark, because I have to force myself mm-hmm. to think that way because I don't live that way. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't watch stuff on streams and things like that. So whenever I'm doing this show, I have to. I have to force myself to remember that element that you brought up. And I think it's really important that you brought it up. I always go just, yeah, just real quickly. I always go back to, I did a high school 
wrestling story a couple of years ago when I was at the newspaper in Allentown about the state high school wrestling tournament being moved to a, to an online service and not being shown on the Pennsylvania Cable Network. And there was a, you know, that was a, that's a split, that's a generational split between the kids who live on that streaming service, especially in their wrestling community, and the adults who want to watch this but have no idea what that streaming service is. And I had one high school wrestling coach tell me, I have kids who all they watch are these wrestling services and YouTube. They don't watch television. So that always, that's always kind of like a reminder in my head that, you know, that, that is where, I mean, that's where... Uh, the generations that have hugely changed their habits. So, all right. So, um, I've got to ask you about the Oklahoma Texas thing. <laughs> what was interesting is that when Greg Sankey was asked about it, the commissioner of the SEC he said, "Look, I really just wanted to talk about the twenty-one season." Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a denial. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nobody's denied two, it, correct? And I yeah, evidently yeah. social media is telling me that their um, Big Twelve is meeting today. If I'm um, about that, yes, they are. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. Uh, so obviously, these are two mega brands. There aren't many left out there, and the media mm-hmm. grant of rights really eliminates a large pool of schools. You can't get you. Yeah. The Big Ten could not expand with an ACC school unless the school's willing to sue. The school would have to be willing to sue. But they've all mm-hmm. signed away their media grant of rights through 2036. Uh, there aren't many left in the Big 12 or the Pac 12 you'd consider. Uh, so when you see this, how does the Big Ten need to react to seeing something like this? Arguably, it is I mean, do you recircle back to Notre Dame? But then, I mean, contractually, I'm not familiar with Notre Dame's ACC contracts in other sports and how that would affect. Yeah, would, you know, the think... ACC gets rights, first rights to having Notre Dame as, as yeah. a football member. You know? Yeah, as a as a in, in basketball and other sports, mm-hmm. I think their their grant of rights is through 2036. I okay. believe. I believe. In other sports, you know, yeah. Why would why would the Big Ten not why would the Big Ten not join the discussion if Oklahoma and Texas are up for discussion? If there's a negotiation going on, why would the Big Ten not enter that negotiation? And for those two schools in particular, why not? Yeah. Why not throw your hat in the ring? Why you know? Why not enter? Why not bid for them as well? You guys are up. <laughs> Here's what the Big Ten has to offer too. I know there's probably yeah, obviously there's going to be some more familiarity because of the schools that have moved over, such as Arkansas and, and Missouri, um, Texas A&M over the, you know the the last years. But that's that's where I, I might suggest instead of trying to reach out to other schools um, and you know poach schools from other conferences or anything like that. Hey, if these if these schools are interested, um, pitch your plan to them too. Why not? What do you think of the possibility of a 12-team playoff? I, I'm coming around to it a little more scheduling. Scheduling is one of the things I think that I'm not entirely thrilled with the idea, just because that uh, if you're still trying to shoehorn the bowl games in there, you know, your your four conference are your four by teams then not having the home date, which I think is an important date in in that 
in, in a tournament, right. excuse me, two rounds of home dates, is, I think is really important. And right. ultimately, I think that's probably going to be where it goes. Um, I think maybe we'll have initially have some bowls in that, but I think it's going to have to go back to the you know those four homes. You know, those four teams are going to want the home site. A month of playoffs, though. Am I ready for that? It sounds intriguing, but that's you know that's a lot of extension. I think as well. I probably would have been a little more comfortable at eight initially, but then that. Uh, do you want to keep expanding and and keep adding teams until you get to twelve or sixteen, something like that? I do like the idea of expansion. I and I actually do kind of like the idea of the top conferences. I think it's what the top six conferences or top five conferences get bid, not just the autonomy five or power five or however you want to do that. I, I, I do I do like that because that is um, that tells the conferences, you know, have your top teams be up there. You know, the, this is not we are not going to make this our you know, our kind of like exclusive tournament, so to speak. Um, so yeah I just I'm I'm such a big bowl person. I mean, I just really like bowl season. It's always been kind of a soft spot for me. And I do think that there's still a lot of value in bowl games. I just don't know how much bowl games fit into a tournament, Um, you know, like a national championship playoff sort of thing. I don't think – I think we're going to have to maybe get away from the idea that the bowls are part of that. I'm with you. I I, I enjoy bowl season very Mm -hmm. much. Always have. Um, all right. So now let's get to this Penn State football team. Mm. Uh, if I start with Sean Clifford, have I outlined mm-hmm. pretty much a big chunk of the bowl game here? I think you have. There's no question about it. And I'm sure James Franklin was asked about that, you know, from a variety of different directions. You know, a third year starting quarterback who had a great 2019, had some elements of a really good 2020. Lost his job. I think handled that all very well. You know, with everything that surrounds him in a new offense, you know, and basically his fourth offense, and if you look at it that way at Penn State, yeah, he, it's a lot on his shoulders. There's a lot of there's a lot that's on his shoulders. James Franklin said today, I think we might have one of the better running back groups in the country. We might have one of the better tight end groups in the country. I think our offensive line is going to be really good. I think our wide receivers are going to surprise people. All of that hinges on how your quarterback handles it and the relationship he's going to develop with Mike Yersich, too. That is, a, I think, a really big one. And Mike Yersich has such a huge head start over what Kirk Scirocco had to deal with last year in having to get to know his quarterback online. It just didn't, you know... It's you know the results didn't matter, but I think there are so many asterisks to throw into what offensively Penn State was able and unable to do last season, and ultimately the kind of offense that they were kind of forced to run after like week five, six, seven, you know, later in the season. But they need Sean Clifford to be you know much much higher on the plus side of the turnover ratio. Um, He's got to be better with reaction uh, to, to seeing receivers not just downfield but running in front of him, across from him. He's got to get off some of the early reads, things like that. And he's got to get out of, I think, his countdown, his inner ear countdown clock of telling him to run 
if he see, if he senses a breakdown in like two and a half seconds or something like that. I think he's got the ability to extend plays a little longer throwing the ball. Those you know, um, you know, throwing the ball. Although I don't know that that necessarily fits in with a Mike Houston's offense either, because I think he's pinpoint precision and get the ball out quickly and you know get your reads, you know, and, and target and, and really follow through in the offense. So I like. You know, I, I kind of like – I'm going to buy Sean Clifford this year. I like the comeback um, side of his story, and I think it could be a very good one. And I yeah. think James Franklin is trying to pitch that as well, too. I think he did that a little bit today in Indianapolis. He did say at one point, I think Sean's going to have a really big year. I think he's really pushing for that because he knows – I think everybody knows. They know yeah. it into, you know, internally, too. Um with with Sean Clifford and no defined number two quarterback and three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster and having really not found um, you know a golden ticket in the transfer portal, that is what you have to do, or that's what you got to go with this year. So you ride with Sean Clifford. Yeah, because every time he runs with it, Taquan Roberson's looking on, saying, "Okay, you know he's mm-hmm. getting up, right?" I mean, that's yep. and, and yeah. that's 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 certainly one of the, one of the key parts. <laughs> Where, let's so let's take Clifford aside. What's the part of the football team that you look at and say, you know what? I'm really excited to see how that plays out. For me, Noah Kane, I come yeah. back to Noah Kane as just being a fascinating player to me. I think he could have been so good last year. I think yep. he was going to run, especially almost as as like an homage to Journey Brown in some ways. I think he. He was ready to step into that role, um, and it was taken away from him inside of seven or eight plays of the year. And then, uh, you know, his uh, one of his training coaches in Dallas is tweeting out photos and putting some or some video on social media of Noah Kane, who looks absolutely phenomenal. He is just he's a player that, right? I think you know, rightfully maybe a lot of the country forgot about because they didn't see him at all last year. Right. And he is real. I mean, he was supposed to be really, really good last season and even perhaps before we knew that journey Brown wasn't going to play. So to me that, that backfield is fascinating. I mean, they basically had five guys nominated for the, um, the, uh, the Doug Walker because two of them got nominated twice on the list. Right. They were repeating names. So, you know, with John, with John Lovett, um, the transfer running back from Baylor and, and, and no Kane and Kevon Lee. I think that's a really, really good rotation. And that's the kind of thing Mike Yersich has to go with that. He, I think he really does have to exploit the, the, the running backs that they have. But Noah Kane, I, I'm, I really look forward to seeing him. It's always a lot of fun talking with you and especially about football, Mark. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. To, Thanks, look Steve. Forward to, look forward to seeing you. Yeah, no question. Two years, so it'll be great. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. Always a great time. Thanks, Steve. Mark Wogenrich, SI.com. Oh, Matt, you'll find this interesting. Um, yeah, because as you said, it was so intriguing to have, you know, two new entries in the NBA Finals, and you made a big deal out of that. And I said, of course, America would not respond, which insulted you. And I guess they still didn't. Here are the top six most watched non-football sporting events since 2019. Okay. 
You ready? Number one is basketball. How about that? Okay. Gonzaga, UCLA, (laughs) 14.94 million. The 2021 NCAA semifinals. Well, that's not surprising. College basketball beat out the NBA. Number two, the Kentucky Derby, 14.37 last May. Okay. Also not surprising. Number three, game six of the World Series, 2020. 12.7 12.7 million on Fox. Now that's a little surprising because baseball ratings have gone down, but okay. Number four NBA Finals Game Six 12.52 million. See? Number, number five. You got beat out by college basketball. But I think this—I uh, don't know. It's because you that, got beat out by the World Series in a at a time at a time where all the ratings were going down. Uh, you got me there in the World Series, but you're talking about March Madness. You're talking about the uh, Final March Four. Madness does fine, but the NBA Finals have been killing it for years. You know what Game Six brought in for Toronto non-rated market. And Golden State, eighteen million. They lost a third of their audience. A third. That's a lot of people to lose. Oh yeah, I'm not. Like I said before, like I've always said, I'm not saying that the NBA is still not in trouble. I'm saying that maybe this could be a stepping stone in the right direction. Again, it's going to be a long haul back. Game four, 10.25 was five. And World Series game five was 10.06. Those are the only ones to go over 10 million viewers. Golly. (laughs) We're way up over 2020. You're way down. (laughs) You're in trouble. Oh, yeah, they definitely are. The only one that thinks you're doing well is Matt. All right, back with more to my Matt and Adam Silver. The only two people think the NBA is doing great. <laughs> Come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 